Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Character Arc Podcast, where each week we watch a movie. We will start by giving a quick synopsis of the film, uh, follow into a general discussion where we say what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, and then move into what we might change if we were the ones making the movie. And then we'll give some final thoughts. My name is Richard Bertelson. And I am Ted Hong. And this week we watched the Yeti movie. You need to spend more time here with your family. Oh, where are you going? Be back before dinner. Be careful out there. No boy. Got it covered. Bye. I just want to escape. Dad always wanted me to travel the world. Someday. Red-haired woman fakes being human but truly has no soul as she progresses to throw a child off a bridge for not allowing her to shock torture an unconscious animal. Ginger's always the true villain. I know. <laughs> Uh, my synopsis is a Yeti kidnaps a young girl and teaches her a devastating form of magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another version I had was a girl helps Yeti on cross-country trip, realizes she's a Yeti herself. I don't understand why she had magic at the no, end. No. She had the same no... magic as the Yeti, but it never really it's said why hair. that wouldn't happen. It's in the hair. Oh, is it because she fixed her violin with yeah, it? He oh, did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It is so their all of their power comes from their fur. From their fur. So you could just shave them and make all forms of magical yeah. devices. <laughs> you just make a nice fur coat and you could just control everything around you. Cuz really there's no limit to the magic ability for that. It, and I think that was one of the things. I mean, okay, so kids movie aside, having a tight system is is very important. Okay, so let's compare it to another DreamWorks production, which uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Those movies have been lauded as like one of the best animated stories. This one, I felt like it was trying to do that, but then I am immediately reminded of like, what is it, like Angry Birds yeah, I mean, just the type of humor, right? It was like it was on the cusp of both. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I don't mind the humor. I don't mind like the super goofy humor that's aimed towards kids. That's that's expected, right? Yeah. I just, you know, when you're gonna dive into more of the story elements, it's got to have some sort of uh, I mean, it logic was, to it. It was very tame, and yeah, they they. I think one of the things that's kind of disappointing about the Yeti's magical power, because this Yeti can, or presumably all of the Yetis can, like hum and then contort <laughs> nature to their will, like anything, in anything, nature, anything, water, leaves, rocks, wind, like just anything, and it's it is it is insanely powerful. What I find disappointing about that is. If you're going to make it limitless, if they're going to have this limitless power, mm-hmm. then show me cooler shit happening. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, like put them in greater it. danger mm-hmm. where, like, he has, like, put these guys in a story where Earth is in danger, danger. and they must save it. Right. Um, to have them just <laughs> fight a private organization with, Some like, this... nondescript secret organization. It's a waste of these powers and also draws attention to the fact that this Yeti could get them out of any danger they're ever in. Right. So the danger either has to match the Yeti's power or the Yeti's power has to come down has and have to more come limits down. on it. Yeah, um, I'm more for the la- uh, the latter. Because, I'm, I mean, they could solve climate change if it's... Yeah, but the like Yetis that. obviously don't give a fuck. They don't give know? a shit. They're off in the fucking Everest. <laughs> Do you remember some of... I mean, at some point, we're probably going to talk about other parts of the movie. However, <laughs> like, when, when she... When he, like the last climactic scene where they're about, they capture the Yeti for a second at least, 
and he defends the children like right before they capture him and he just leaps up and just like he has control of lightning yeah (laughs) and then he also can like shoot these shards of ice i mean imagine this movie if like it weren't a kid's movie, so like when those shards of ice come up to like stop him, up, and, like it yes. impales them. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, oh my god, did it really? Oh no, they ran away. You're Dude, talking about like when so they're... much murder power. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about when uh, he wakes up and the the they're yes, all yes, like in line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought I want to see too. like that. Their powers are so fucking cool. Give yeah. me a war movie. Give me like this fantasy with war that. movie with this stuff in it. Which because... see again, this is my point. How to Train Your Dragon does that. They go off into like some other non-modern, not non-modern. I don't know. So you know, with Vikings, right? It's a different type of right. It's a civilization. Yeah. yeah, they could kind of do the same thing with this, but they didn't. So it was like again very tame. So again, it felt very watered down. I think is the case. Yeah. Why not? Why not set this movie in in older time in China? And or in just Chinese mythology in general. Yeah, I mean, um, it could have been something else. I do like, I do, I do wish more movies, which more movies in general, uh, which animation doesn't more than regular film. And I know this is a co-American and co-Chinese film. Like it was made by two studios, one there and one here, mm-hmm. uh, together. But I appreciated the fact that it took place in china but it wasn't made a big deal about it like animation sometimes is takes place in historical places like where so i'm not talking about let's say hercules where yes it's greek but a very specific ancient greek um i'm talking more like uh red tattooy where it takes place in modern france but it's just france Mm -hmm. and this that's the way that this is it's just in china which i like because forget any kind of like social justice representation thing it's just visually more interesting yeah. uh, to have films set in different places. Like we have a global, we essentially have a global world now where just set your regular movie about regular things, just set it somewhere else so that else? I have pretty things to look at. Yeah. Um, and, and you can even put in like little touches of the culture, which just makes it, yeah, this movie could take place in the Rocky Mountains, but the fact that it doesn't makes it a little, a little more, more interesting. I was going to say, yeah, the visuals... That that was kind of my my problem. I think my overall opinion of this movie is a bit watered down because yeah, the visuals were stunning. Like they obviously there's a bit of a nitpicking detail. Obviously the scenery does not it's not quite how it is in real life, but it's an animated movie. It's right? a romanticized. Yeah. Um like certain things like wouldn't really connect. Also, Shanghai didn't look like Shanghai. It's fine. Like those like the little details really felt like it did remind me of, of of the city mm-hmm. but like when it did like a, a larger view of the shot uh, of the city like the skyline and stuff the skyline there was nothing of that plus it was kind of weird another nitpick is that there's a there is kind of a light show but it's not like in hong kong they make it a thing right i don't remember any of that in in shanghai by the way so, listeners ted is chinese american and recently lived in china for five years uh yeah hong kong kind of counts as china right Hong Kong for it does two years. to Americans. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I lived in Shanghai for three years and then uh, Hong Kong for two. Yeah. I just wanted to give the context to the listeners that you are speaking from co- both culturally and physically the location from your own experience. Yeah. Oh, like the one location that they go to with the giant uh, Buddha. 
I thought it was kind of weird that they just decided to crawl up on the thing because... And then, like, tainted it with their magic. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, how did they climb up? Because... I think, the, I think the idea was the Yeti helped them up there somehow. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've been there. It's pretty cool. It is astounding, like, just looking up and just seeing so much. So yeah, that was definitely cool. Again, the scenery is great. But this kind of ties into another one of my points that... For an animated movie with amazing visuals, they do this thing where they explain some things too much and then some things not at all. For example, the magic, just whatever. Some of the emotional beats are really like hammered into you and you're like, okay, I I know who these characters are. You don't have to keep telling me. You don't have to tell me what the conflict is every five seconds. But then it's like, but yeah, you brush over this world ending magic. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, well, you could kind of explain that a little bit more. You could even, you could even have some sort of like you could get away with more exposition about the way that this world is supposed to work and have the characters are I mean, look, they're not they don't have like 50 dimensions to them, but they they all yeah. have something they're they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. And you could have that sit in the background and it would be it would be multifaceted enough that you could spend more time on the what is the more interesting part of the movie, which is <laughs> this fucking power, right? Because <laughs> um, I mean, that's the whole idea of why they're it's, they're being the um, the Yeti's being chased. But right. like the where I'm well, talking that about... should be the idea of why the Yeti's being chased, but it's not. This, the Yeti's being chased because she just wants to sell it. They don't even know it has magic until uh, they encounter until, yeah. it that one time, like more than halfway through, like probably three quarters of the way through. How did you feel about a character in a children's movie? I'm speaking of Jin here, yeah. essentially suggesting that he fucks his way across Shanghai. Uh, well, when he get that little smirk, that <laughs> shit-eating grin, was like, how many girlfriends do you have? Huh. <laughs> were they, they were all cousins, right? I no. mean, our three main characters? Because I, earlier, I know that later on, um, that Pang, is that his name? Says yeah. that he th- says that Jin thinks of you as family too. But I swear to God that her mother at some point said something about her cousins. And I thought she was referring to the two boys, who I know are definitely cousins. But I thought oh, the then... mom or the or the grandmother, one of them, suggested that she was related to them, too. And they kept calling her. I'm assuming that what they called the grandma was a, a term for grandma. It in... is. Um, you can still say that. I don't know why. I think they just did it to simplify it. So it because makes the sense. other kids do it, too. So I thought, yeah. okay, well, the grandma is like... All of their parents' mom. Well, in Chinese, we kind of refer to them by their honorific. You know, mm. it's like, oh, grandma or miss or lady, or, you know, that kind right. of thing. We don't, we don't address anyone as lady, but <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Yo, bitch. <laughs> But no, so, so like... So respectful. <laughs> so respectful. But yeah, I don't know why they really did that, because uh, they would have called her a different name, but I think for simplicity's sake, they just went with the same thing, because Nai Nai is the paternal side grandmother. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I can understand why it gets confusing, because really, yeah, they did establish earlier that those two were cousins, but he... But if that's the case, then either either the grandmother or the mom says something to Yi. Yi to Yi's about cousins. And so she was referring confusingly to me to cousins that we never get to meet yeah. then. Yeah, um, it's, it's weird. There, I felt like... I wish they... W- I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to say I wish they were all family because family was a, uh, a, a, huge, a huge theme it's here. It's the theme, yeah. Particularly the theme, her right. disassociation mm-hmm. from her immediate family because of the death of her father. 
because um, talk about you know cartoon tropes. Some parents got to be dead, yeah. but they handled that fairly well. That was that was the only emotional beat that wasn't super on the nose. They don't see, really tell you. But see, that is actually where I have a problem with it because that's supposed to. I feel like that's was that was her central driving force for whatever she was doing initially. Right. So let me first get to the one point that I was I was having a problem with, where they explain things too much was when they realize like whose violin it is and they're just like oh yeah that's your dad it's just like right on the nose describing things and then when it's broken she's explaining her i think it would have been better if they showed it this is my point of see visuals. but i think i think that they don't do you don't know it's her dad's violin like that no through I, most of it and then a character it's not like her mom says that line it's someone who is I guess not related to her at all, says that line. Um, because they may, and he asked the question. He says, is that your dad's violin? I think that's a valid way to get That's the, fine. My point was when they, when she runs off and Jin chases after her and they sit on that giant boulder and have a heart-to-heart, that was just explained too easily. Oh, yeah. No, I, that was my I agree point. with that. She's suddenly just over it. I here Here's a change. I know it's kind of, we would save this for later, but a change would be, if she's kind of disassociating with everyone, um, like she's kind of being her self-proclaimed loner, um, I think the violin could have been like stashed away more so. Like she didn't even want to think about it. So she's been right. keeping busy. Um, and the whole idea is she can't do this alone. She has to do this with others, right? So her helping the Yeti or Everest, she couldn't do it on her own. She also needed Jin and Peng. So it's, ugh, see, that's another nitpick. The way they say his name is kind of, it's an Englishified Chinese thing. Because they they say Ping, or but it's really in, in Chinese it would be Peng, mm. right? But they can't really say that, so I kind of forgive it. But whenever I see it, choose a different name. If you can't pronounce the name because it doesn't translate well, like, then pick a different name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other little nitpicks are like when they say Beijing, that, that's just my own personal thing. Beijing or Yangtze River or Peng. It is weird. I mean, you know, it's something you're talking about, sort of the, the cultural translation, which um, if you watch like Coco, uh, the Pixar film, mm-hmm. which is obviously heavily Mexican influenced. Um, I was going to say it takes place in Mexico, but it takes place in like the land of the dead. But yeah. anyway, you get the thing where when obviously the film is in English, but when they speak Spanish, Oh, it's like accurate. It is it's accurate. Like, yeah, like, yeah. It is clearly mm-hmm. being said either by a native speaker or someone who is very fluent in the fluent, language. Yeah. Or has gone through voice coaching enough that it yeah. sounds like it is. There was one part that was pretty accurate was when he was playing rock, paper, scissors, and he was saying that in Chinese. I wish they had done more of that. I wish they, like... Like little bits, yeah. Because there's lots of movies that do that where, obviously, the idea for a movie like this is that it's being translated for us. They are, obviously, sp- they are speaking Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just being translated for our benefit. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong, especially with little things that don't that you don't have to understand fully or you can understand contextually. Yeah. To throw out uh, the, more the native Chinese, language. Yeah, yeah, more of the native. Yeah, I agree. Um, going back to the family theme thing, yeah, I felt like the execution was too on the nose, but the content wasn't as rich as it could be i mean it's, it's a this, kid's movie i understand stakes that. never felt super high Thank you, you never that, felt yes. a lot of like you never you saw that she had this problem but you also got the i also got the impression early on before i knew that her dad had passed because you don't know that initially i spent the first part of the movie understanding that she was distanced from her family but it felt like a very manufactured conflict because yes. i was like why can't she just tell him she wants money for her trip like right. why can't she just tell yeah. him that she's working like this conflict where she can't talk to them doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. it's some it's like 
the writer purposely made it this way, even though the, there's no reason why the character can't say, I want to go on a trip. And even mm-hmm. even yes. that would be off the nose enough that it's, even though she's actually, you learn distracting yourself so that her, so she doesn't have to think about her father. Yeah. But you could have them imploring, but there's this whole extra conflict of where is she going? What does she do? Yeah. Where she could just be like, no, I'm, I'm working because I want to go on the trip. I'm working because I want to go on the trip. And instead it's like, no, I can't tell them for some reason. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, it could still come out that it, the real reason is because of her father, but yeah. she can tell them that she wants to save up money, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, that really should have been a non-issue of her just going to work, like, overtime. We're spending, yeah, we're, we spending. spend, it, it distracts from the conflict feeling real or authentic or, like, mm-hmm. meaningful, because right. it's so, the problem is so unnecessary. Right. I mean, it's a problem unnecessarily. Like, it's a, it's perhaps a real problem, but it so easily could not be. Right. You know, when she gets the money, she gets, like, 15 quai each time, right? Exchanging that over here, that's, like, $2 something. Well, so people are stingy. Yeah. <laughs> so she's being taken advantage she, of yeah. by her entire neighborhood. Honestly, yeah. Like, most people would give more than 15. Okay, because, like, uh, a standard meal would be, like, about 70 quai. She's never going on that She's trip. Not, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the family theme, this is my point where that initial part where you were just having that hard time, it, it really felt like there were no stakes in her doing whatever she was doing. That's where I was saying, like, maybe have her hide the violin. Like, she doesn't even want to address it, but she wants to go on this trip to kind of, like, get away and go on her own, mm-hmm. right? And then she meets Everest, and then other people start getting involved. And that's the kind of the whole thing is, like, family cares about each other and they'll kind of go out of their way to help you mm-hmm. no matter what. And so when Peng, that's, Peng... That's again why they should all be related. They should, yeah. There's, they, not, a, there's not a romantic subplot, so why not make them all related? Yeah, and I was glad that they didn't do the romantic I'm subplot. I'm glad too. A movie, I feel like kids' movies do it less and less, which is good because it's 2019. People can define their lives in other ways. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. It doesn't always have to be this romantic thing. Yeah, and since the whole the central theme is on family... And having the two cousins go after her, like not her cousins, but the two cousins, kind of extends that sort of idea. And they could have tightened that up. But like, I really didn't offer much of a change. It's just introduce the violin later uh, to the point where, like, if Everest comes in and then the violin comes up and then maybe she starts playing the violin to calm him down. Mm-hmm. As opposed, like, like, this is the first time she's played it. Right. She doesn't go up there upstairs every day and play every it. Every day and play it, right? At like midnight for everyone to freaking wake up and listen. Right. Because it's like her mom is like, well, you play the violin. And she's like, no, I sold it. But it's like her mom could probably hear her playing it upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about Eddie Izzard as... Yes. Um, what's the character's name? Mr. Burnish? Burnish. Burnish. Burn. Uh, what a great performance that was. Oh. He's just so weird. The and... subtleties of his humor is just... <laughs> <laughs> fucking amazing he's it's, very funny is that i think it's the only thing i really laughed at but burnish. i laughed almost every time he was on screen yeah, almost every so time. <sighs> everything <laughs> like when the little uh, gerbil comes up and nu- nuzzles up against him oh, not now <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, the, 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 the tree, tree. yeah I, I love this tree the colors it's so soft chop it down and put it in a bag yeah so it can be in my apartment with me. Yeah. <laughs> or, that's not exact, but that's, it was something like that. That's essentially, yeah. Uh, it was great. He's just, it's, it's all, he's just eccentric, but again, specifically Eddie Izzard delivering those lines, he just has the perfect timing and the perfect, like, 
weirdness to his voice. And especially because he does turns. He's like, he knows what part of the sentence is funny. To emphasize, And he yeah. emphasizes it just right. Um, he should do more voice acting. He should, I he mean, should. anytime I've ever seen him act in general, I've, I've enjoyed his I've performance. I've enjoyed him, yeah. But he's not in a lot. Uh, let's, let's get Eddie Izzard more work. Yeah, he definitely takes it. Anytime he showed up, I was just looking forward to it. I just, and even like something that I feel like maybe Eddie Izzard suggested because it's not something that you can really say um it was when he used his crutch what, what is it, the, it was it was a pickaxe a but pickaxe, he used it like a crutch yeah and he slams it into the peg of his desk to walk down to it because he's down. so short yeah <laughs> like what an amazing <laughs> just a small little detail but this is what i mean with the visuals they could have done more it's dreamworks so yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a layered movie. Like sometimes animation, you find where like there's the there's the children's story that's happening before you. There's an extra layer of drama to it that probably some kids will miss, but adults will appreciate. And then there's like visual cues going on and gags that like sometimes are for kids and sometimes are for adults. But they're like like if you watch the first Shrek movie or anything by Pixar, like there's there's depth to what's going on because it's. It needs to please such a wide variety of people, and this movie definitely does not have those layers. It, it is, does not. It is. Your child will very likely enjoy this movie just fine, um, but but they won't. That's... They won't be attached to it. Like yeah, no, they won't be so like you know. I don't know with it, Shrek. Everyone loves Shrek. It probably won't be their favorite movie, and you will probably be. You're if you're at home and you like rent this for your kid, they may they may watch it once. Um, you're probably gonna be you will find your attention drift away. Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate because they had, there's a lot to work with that they could have done. In terms of pacing, this is where we're going quickly back to the, the magic system. Like throughout the story, right? This is where I felt like there should have been a drawback because it one, it limits them from, it adds more obstacles, right? Right, yeah. No. And therefore, it every time added they were, more to the stake. Every time they were in too much danger, that's when he whipped out his magic that could do anything. Yep, and I'll ride a tornado to get onto the train. Right. I mean, if I were writing it, the Earth would die the more they used it, and that's yeah. why they don't use it. And so it got really yeah, dark, like though, a, but they had to use it. So Like maybe like a transfer he of was, certain energy. Or, yeah, yeah that would be something. He was causing global warming. <laughs> <laughs> it steals the souls of a neighboring village every time he uses it. <laughs> to which, when Yi gets her magic, and she... Holy like, shit. That was... She, she, <laughs> she like, drawn the power. She's like a... Uh, I don't know why I think of from Mortal Kombat the the Blood Witch, Scarlet I think is her name. Yeah. I don't know why I think she of does. Her. Yeah, I mean she, she just like kind of like summons and harnesses something from the sky. Summon what is clearly a great and terrifying power. I mean it is alarming. You're like oh god. Oh yeah. She's, she's gonna kill everyone. Uh, and see again, uh, this is where I agree with you. Like if they had, if they were gonna do that type of magic, they should have like. They, should, they needed to fight to somebody. Yeah, they yeah. needed to fight someone, and they really don't. They just have to like derail a fairly tame. It's like Superman. Force. Yeah, Superman Returns, where he doesn't actually fight anything, and that's why it was right. just kind of like. Eh. No, you have to have. There should have been some other magical thing they had to fight. That's really the only way you would let this power happen. Which, by the way, though, that movie would be cool because the magic is cool. It just, it is. 
it has no reason to be in this story specifically. Mm-hmm. It's a cool magic that should be in some other cooler story. It's disappointing, right? Because mm-hmm. DreamWorks puts out a lot of good stuff, so it's a shame that this doesn't. I mean, even like an animated series, like I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. I watched uh, what is it, Troll Hunter? Amazing, because what a, a Guillermo del Toro also had a hand in it. Actually, I think he was the one who like headed the whole thing. So yeah, so like that's why I was kind of looking forward to it because it does touch on some Chinese. Um, the backdrop is in China, sure, right? Which is kind of weird that they traveled from Shanghai over to Everest in the amount of two days. Yeah, I mean, by it's, foot, it's mainly be- well, it's mainly because of the magic, I think, yeah. but it still doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. No, um, yeah. See, okay, so actually, the point I wanted to touch on the, the magic as it's sort of it being a backlash was when he made the blueberries, but he made them grow to too large of a size or when he made the land into an ocean and he made a giant tidal wave and that was the first time i was like this magic is dangerous it's fucking insane (laughs) to which like that's what i mean like he's a it it would make sense because he's a he's a youngin so having that sort of ability he can't really quite control it and so going back to the central theme of family they're all together so they kind of help balance each other out he should have when he used his powers he should have something should have gone because that's the only time it really goes wrong is when the blueberries blow up. When anytime he's doing really dangerous stuff, nothing goes wrong. And maybe it should have, and they should have, and there should have been this like back and forth of them trying to help him like control it. Not that they would know how to, although he can apparently give his. But then, like, if he's gonna, if she, if Yi was gonna have the violin with the, the Yeti magical fur, that could have been one way to counteract it. He's an unstable god. That's yeah. the, the center of this movie is an unstable god, and um. Yeah, they should have, like, the the premise should have been a little bit different. I, I wish it had been something mystical about the Yetis or or just a, a force that knew they were magical and had some way to fight them yeah. would go in. I'm not saying you have to have a war scene, but, like, you don't introduce this without giving me a cool-ass fucking battle scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they show them use it destructively, but against the, the most unimportant things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, is there any super big point you want to hit? You want to go into changes? Um, I mean, that, that honestly, like that is kind of my changes, which is just like give them an antagonist that makes use of this lore that you've created. You've created this this idea of what these creatures are. Now have the rest of the world be an obstacle to that, like to them or mm. a threat to them, in a way that uses their uniqueness. Like you've desi- like I like the design, the idea of them. I mean, but. The, the story you built around them, it doesn't doesn't suit it. Take some time to think about it. But my major change would be to make the stakes higher for the family theme. Since that's, that's, that's what we're supposed to take away from the movie is the family. So, yeah. Like, I never felt like she was being alone to her own detriment. Right. There's nothing. Right. Uh, everyone acts like she's, her life is sad, which she is sad, of course. But she's being very productive. Yeah, and and that's fine. Actually, that adds an extra layer because, like, it, to be on the nose, like oh, I'm sad, right? It's and almost I'm just like sit in my room yeah. and do nothing. But it's the fact that she is trying to navigate away from the sadness, which clearly it in shows a way that that's not it's not it's not abuse or addiction or like or like you know laziness or like seclusion. It's seclusion in it's not it's seclusion in that she doesn't have like an honest conversation with her family, but it's not seclusion in that she's not interacting with humans. Like she's getting tons of social interaction in her 50 jobs. 
which is a problem. Like overworking is a problem and stuff like that. But I think it's but, a there's a level of intimacy. Like like I think Jin was supposed to be the foil for that in the sense that he is a social butterfly, mm-hmm. right? But there's the case with him being too superficial. Um, everything he does is just for like the likes on social media and his right. harem of girlfriends. Like they're all very superficial. And I think it's with the idea of family, it's supposed to be like this really solid bond. They could have done more with that because like, I didn't understand why they made him go off on his own. Do you remember what the whole GPS part where he's kind of like going through, like if you're going to do that, that makes him like, that was a, I, I, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's the only character that has, that you really like guide them through that. You see the change in a way that's dramatic as opposed, it's, mm-hmm. it's being shown to us, not being told to us, which, right. see, you know, again, he knows that he's captured visual. and I think and he, it's never like outwardly explained, but he's captured. He helps them because they convince him that, you know, they have the best interest of, mm-hmm. of the, of his two friend, of his cousin and his friend because the Yeti's dangerous, and he lets slip where they're located, and so he feels bad about that. And that's when he's like, I have to get to them first, so I know, and it's worth me destroying all my fancy clothes and stuff yeah. like that. And I thought that was also funny, just like when he just holds up his phone light and just screams as he runs into the yeah. forest because he doesn't want to look at the game. <laughs> he's afraid of the dark. <laughs> like, that is good, but in the sense of, like, making it fit more into his more of his character arc. Like, I felt like the, it was only, again, watered down is my case. Like, that sequence was good, but it also felt... Like, I, I suppose that character change, we weren't made entirely clear about his personal problem, right? We knew that he was like, oh, my shoes, right? He's, like, on the sort of appearance side, but never about, like, how his how that affects his relationships, right? So, I mean, they do kind of say, like, his aversion to, like, wanting to step in, but he clearly has, like, this responsibility... Yeah. bone that he's willing to jump onto the I, boat. I think I see what you're saying. We didn't see we didn't say we didn't see what was a again like we didn't see why her grief was a problem because she was handling it in a very productive and positive way. We don't right. really see why his shallowness is a problem because he's flourishing. Right. So like story okay, story structure wise it con- shows. Yeah. It we shows need the consequences to all their flaws. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna care for them to improve, we have to know why it's a problem. Right. Make the stakes higher in some way. And yeah, clear. That make would, it, yeah, that would yeah. be a major change for me. Make us feel more of their journey by showing us um, how their problems—not just telling us that what their problems are, but showing us how their problems are problems and how difficult they are for them to overcome. Because they're all of their problems, we don't really see why it's that big of a deal, and they're all pretty easy to overcome. Right. Um, at least the characters overcome them easily and quickly, whenever they need to. So, Righto. it. It makes it all for a very, I think you used the word tame before, and I agree with that. It makes it all very kind of just, all right. Could have done more. Just felt watered down. That's my overall opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't, I didn't dislike the movie particularly. It just, no, yeah. it just wasn't striking. Yeah, it's forgettable. Forgettable, it's, yeah, because like after, I don't know. I'll, like okay, it was, I... it was very inoffensive. Like it was mm-hmm. fine. I've seen worse movies for sure. Right. I've seen more boring movies. I've seen less interesting movies, but. It just, I'll I'll forget about it. Like this time next year, I'll forget. I probably even saw it. Yeah, no. But I, it was I fine to watch way. though. Yeah, it was fine to watch. Yeah. Just wish I could have done more. I mean, with, from DreamWorks, they definitely could make better animations, right? I mean, I can't like when I first watched uh, How to Train Your Dragon two. That was the first one I actually saw. I was moved by how like how deep it actually went with the story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it treated its audience like sure, it's it's a kids movie, but it treated its audience with some respect. Some like, respect. You can yeah. you can handle more complicated themes, and like you can pick up on visual cues without us explaining. Explaining it. it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. That is the cornerstone. Film is a visual medium. We should see. We should know more by what we see than what we hear. Um, it's just the nature of film. And with that, um, I'm going to close it out. Alrighty. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, please do visit us at characterarc.net. You can follow us at, at characterarc on Facebook or on Instagram. Please like and subscribe. Um, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Rate us on Apple Podcasts as long as it's a good rating. If it's not a good rating, then just keep it to yourself. It's fine. You don't have to listen. Keep it in your pocket. Uh, we will see you next week with a another movie um probably joker yeah that's that's the most likely one thank you for listening my name is richard and i am ted 